the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. In addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am both a master of the laws of taxation and a master of the laws of intellectual property. And because of my education, my training, my experiences, my life's observation, and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and the creation, preservation, and transfer of wealth within families and communities, including tribal communities, and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. Yes, Bankruptcy law, because it's all about the money, money, money. Uh, However, I also practice some related fields in my overall consumer and small business finance practice, including debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. Now, with these areas of law as my reference point, that is to say, as they relate to the personal, familial, community, and small business aspects of finance, I've spent the greater part of the last 40 years, both before and after getting my license to practice law, fighting for the economic empowerment, the economic independence, and the economic autonomy of women and people and communities of color, including indigenous communities. And because I grew up as a military brat and am proud to say I always will be one, And I also helped create another one with my former spouse, who was also in the military. I have firsthand knowledge of just how hard it can be sometimes financially and economically for our citizen soldiers, sailors, airmen and women and Marines and their families in our sometimes less than patriotic capital based economic system, especially after these individuals and their families separate from the service as such. I also proudly serve veterans of all stripes and in all branches of the military. And as I've shared with you before, I just love my grandma so much. (laughs) When I was a little girl and even when I was a teenager and even after I was an adult, I got to spend time and actually became great friends with both of my grandmothers, both on my maternal and my paternal side, both of whom survived the four great economic challenges of the 20th century, including the Great Depression, the privations of World War II, 
and unfortunately the systemic racism and misogyny that continues to rear its ugly head in our society through and to today. And as these wonderful women helped raise me and always loved me and shared with me their stories of how their grandparents loved and raised them in the post-Reconstruction Jim Crow South, it is out of my great love and respect for these women who are always with me in spirit, along with my dad, urging me on to do the right thing, that when the situation is right, I am sometimes able to at least attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors and the disabled who find themselves the targets of, and unfortunately more and more each day, the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of adult and elder financial abuse that you could ever imagine that seems to be running rampant in our society today. So the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and more probably than not these days, the lack thereof, or at least an insufficient amount thereof, and your overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect or reclaim or rehabilitate your or your family's or your small business's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being, as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational forum. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least an overall outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help I know you need if you're having a legal issue that intersects with your finances and or your assets and or your debt. So today I'm going to continue to respond to those of you who have taken some of your precious time to reach out to me to share your questions, your issues and concerns about this show. But more importantly, your good thoughts and prayers and your expressions of brotherly and sisterly love to me with me. So once again, thank you so much. Now, I've heard from some of you again who want to know even more about the integration of West Point, such as the when the first black cadet and the first women cadets were appointed to the point. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about with a focus on how one actually gets into West Point and the other military focused service ready academies. And I'm going to um, share with you the the fact that you really have to be uh, appointed by your congressperson for the most part, but you can also gain admission recommendations from the White House. As I explained last time we were together, that one of my classmates from our high school graduating class of 1972 in Mississippi, three years before women were allowed access to any federal military academy, although we could go on an ROTC scholarship to uh, a public school or a private school, but how um, my friend, who was a male, got appointed 
from and by President Nixon. Now, just to clarify, it is actually the office of the Vice President of the United States that makes the appointment to the academies. However, if you were alive in the 60s and 70s and not living under a rock, or if you weren't alive then, but you're a student like me of American history, the real unvarnished American history, you know that Nixon's vice president, Spiro T. Agnew, spent much of his time in the executive branch uh, dealing with his criminal conduct uh, that occurred before and during his tenure there. So notwithstanding the law of the matter, those of us who were around believe it was actually Nixon or maybe his staff that allowed my friend to have access to the Naval Academy when he entered there in 1973. So some of you also want to know more about the first black cadet who graduated from West Point, and that was Henry Flipper. Now, he was alive from... He was born on March 21, 1856, so that meant he was a slave, and he lived until April 26, 1940. Now, he was an American soldier, he was an engineer, and a former slave, and in 1877, he became the first African-American to graduate from the United States Military Academy at West Point earning a degree in engineering and a commission as a second lieutenant in the United States Army. He was also an author who wrote about scientific topics and his life experiences. Now, after he got his commission, he was assigned to one of the all-black regiments in the United States Army, which were historically led by white officers. So again, The military has always technically been integrated, but it was always the case that enlisted men, and they were all men, were led by white non-commissioned officers, sergeants, and officers. And it wasn't until my dad's cadre came along under President Eisenhower that they put black NCOs and black officers in charge of white soldiers. And that was in the same year I was born, in 1954. Now, getting back to Lieutenant Flipper, he was assigned to a troop under the command of Captain Nicholas M. Nolan, and he became the first non-white officer to lead the Buffalo Soldiers of the 10th Cavalry. Why were they called Buffalo Soldiers? Because the Native Americans saw the black troops. They were black like Buffalo, and they had Afros like the Buffalo. Anyway, that's my interpretation. Now, Flipper served with competency and distinction during the, they were called the Apache Wars, and um but he was haunted by rumors alleging that he was engaged in improprieties, financial improprieties. So eventually he was court-martialed and he was dismissed from the army. So after losing his commission, Flipper worked throughout Mexico and Latin America as an assistant to the Secretary of the Interior. And he retired to Atlanta in 1931 and died of natural causes in 1940. 
1994, his descendants applied to the military to review his court-martial and dismissal, and a review board found that his punishment was unduly harsh and unjust, and they recommended that he his dishonorable discharge be upgraded to a good conduct discharge. However, they also, his, his relatives, asked for a pardon and the Secretary of the Army forwarded to the Department of Justice as such that Bill Clinton posthumously pardoned Lieutenant Flipper on February 19, 1999, 118 years after his conviction. Again, I urge you to read more about Lieutenant Flipper at the Library of Congress, which is located at loc.com. So when we get back, we're going to continue our discussion about the military academy and look at a very interesting female who graduated. But first, we're going to take a short break and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion about how one gets into West Point. What are one of the two, uh, well, actually one of the three overall military uh, service focused academy that include the Air Force Academy and the Naval Academy, which also trains future leaders of the United States Marines. Now, all of these schools have highly selective admissions procedures and all require at least five years of service upon graduation. Now, these schools aren't for everyone, but for those of you out there in radio land with a sincere desire to honorably serve your country, you will receive an excellent free education in return. But first, I want to tell you about a woman who was part of the first class of women to enter into West Point and to graduate in 1980, almost more than 100 years after Lieutenant Flipper graduated from West Point. Now, one of the graduates in this great article by Brandon O'Connor entitled 40 Years Have Passed Since the First Women graduated from West Point in the class of 1980, and it was published on May 27, 2020, on the online publication U.S. Army, which is located at www.usarmy.mil. Okay, one of the graduates was a woman named Nancy Guacqua, and to her, it was all about duty, honor, and country. Mr. O'Connor writes on July 7. 1976, the United States Military Academy welcomed 1,452 new cadets on reception day. Nine months earlier that year, President Gerald Ford signed Public Law 94-106, allowing women to be admitted to the United States Military Academy, the Naval Academy, and the Air Force Academy for the first time. Now, Nearly 45 years later, Nancy Guacqua can still remember the moment she first heard the news and West Point became a possibility to her. She was sitting at her home on Staten Island doing homework with 
when her dad saw the announcement on the news that Ford had opened the academies to women and came to ask her what she thought about it. Her dad had served in the Navy during World War II, but until that moment, Guaqua's plans didn't include serving in the military. Instead, she was considering attending law school. Now, she'd heard of West Point as she lived just over an uh, hour south on Staten Island, but she knew very little about the academy. After hearing the news, she requested information about it, and her plans quickly changed. The brochure told her about the academy's motto, Duty, Honor, Country. It listed famous graduates such as Douglas MacArthur, Dwight David Eisenhower, one of my favorites, and Omar Bradley, another fine, great general. And it promised to not just provide her with an education, but also to develop her skills as a leader and character. The duty, honor, and country, and just the opportunity to be built into a leader have character and serve my country was very appealing, Guacqua said. It was out of that desire, as the saying goes, to be all that you can be, that she decided to apply to and ultimately attended West Point. Now, Guacqua's career uh, began as a quartermaster at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, and then she served a tour in Germany before leaving active duty for the reserves and joining the corporate world. As her career progressed, she eventually left the reserves before becoming um, the process of rejoining it after 9-11. She served her second stint in the reserves from 2003 to 2008 before retiring as a lieutenant colonel. Now, Guacqua left the corporate world in 2006 and joined the Benedictine Sisters of Perpetual Adoration at their uh, monastery in Missouri, where she is now known as Sister Nancy Rose Guacqua. I would do it again, most definitely, Guacqua said, being the first in the class was both challenging and rewarding. The Army has greatly benefited from the contributions of West Point women graduates. And I'm proud to say I played a part in making that happen. I say right on, Lieutenant Colonel Sister Guacqua, a true soldier trained at West Point, who's now a soldier in our Lord's Army, fighting for the good here on Earth. Now, how cool is that? So let's focus on how does you how does one get into West Point? Well, there's the law. And the law uh, about admissions to West Point is found at Title 10, Armed Forces, of our Great Book of American Laws. Kind of like Moses in the Ten Commandments. We In America, we have the Great Book of American Laws known as the United States Code. And it's broken down into 54 titles. By the way, the bankruptcy code and the bankruptcy rules are found next door at Titles 11 and 11A, respectively. Now, under Title 10, getting back to the Army, uh, under Subtitle B, that deals with the Army, and Subtitle B, Part 3, which deals with the various types of training provided for enlistees, non-commissioned officers, and officers in general, as well as the more advanced specialized training for more seasoned personnel, such as the admission to the war college or how to become a warrant officer 
or the Defense Language Institute, where my former spouse did a tour of duty down in the Monterey Peninsula. Now, then there's Chapter 753. There are the rules for West Point, and that's covered in Section 7431 through 7462. And it talks about how one gets appointed. Uh, First, it says that the Corps of Cadets is 4,400. And it talks about who can be a cadet. 65 cadets are selected in order of merit established by a competitive examination from the children of members of the armed forces who were killed in the line of duty or had severe service-connected disabilities or children of members of the armed forces whose parent or parents are missing in action and civilian employees, the children of civilian employees who are missing in action, they get first choice. There's 65 seats for them. Then there's five cadets nominated at large by the vice president, who's now Kamala Harris. And if there was no vice president, it would be uh, by the president pro tempore of the Senate. That would be Mr. Schumer. Now, 10 cadets from each state, five of whom must be nominated by the senators from their state, five cadets from each congressional district nominated by the representatives of their districts, five cadets from the District of Columbia, four cadets from the Virgin Islands, six cadets from Puerto Rico, four cadets from Guam, three cadets from American Samoa, and three cadets from the Commonwealth of the Mariana Islands. Okay, so that's where they come from. And also, there's 100 slots available for the President of the United States for active members of the military, people on active duty right now. So what is what are the steps involved in the process? Well, you can go to the White House, and it's at whitehouse.gov forward slash service dash academy dash nomination forward slash steps. So first you need to know the mission statement. The mission of the United States Service Academy is to provide instruction uh, and experiences to all cadets so they graduate with the knowledge and character essential to leadership and motivation to become career officers in our great military services. Now, the eligibility requirements are that you're a citizen of the United States, you be of good moral character, you be unmarried with no dependents, you be at least 17 years old, up to 23 years old of the year that you want to enter. And again, it they're looking for well-rounded individuals of high character, good academics, and in good athletic condition. And then you really need to take your ACT and SAT and get fairly good grades. And um, the process is you need to request a pre-candidate questionnaire from the Office of Admission of the Academy, and that's at admissions at usma.ed, or from the Air Force Academy, or from the Naval Academy. And then you need to write to your congressperson and request that they 
consider you for nomination, complete all the applicable forms, take all the applicable tests. And if you want the vice president to nominate you, you need to go to whitehouse.gov forward slash academy dash nomination service academy. And there's an online application that you fill out. The most important of which is an essay where you explain a challenge or hardship you have overcome and what you did to overcome it. So we're going to leave it there for now. But as always in closing here at Selma's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, including laws used by our government to help integrate our society as a whole, including our great military forces, because we're going to need them sooner or later. So till next time, please take care. Bye for now. Stay safe. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.